Thank you for leading us in worship this morning. As we, like Pastor John said, as we wrap up this 23andMe series that we've been in this month. Um, I hope you'll remember that we've taken January and we've really, we've really taken some time. We've really just kind of rolled around in the third chapter of the 20th book of the Bible. We've spent a lot of time in, in Proverbs chapter three and, and what we've been talking about, we've been, we've been talking about that spiritual DNA, 23 and me, that, that spiritual DNA that we've said needs to guide us, that spiritual DNA that, that needs to lead us. We've been talking about that the spiritual DNA that, that tells us who we are, and, and most importantly, that DNA that tells us whose we are. And, uh, and I read something this past week that, that absolutely blew my mind. Um, it was an article that was written by a geneticist, uh, because I guess preachers read all sort of weird stuff. Um, I was reading this, this article that was written by a geneticist, and she said that, that if you take all the, the genetic material, if you take all of the genes from just one, from one cell, from just one cell of the human body, you take all the genes from one cell, a single cell of the human body, and if you were to, to unspool all of that genetic stuff, and if you were to paste all the ends together, she said that that rope, that chain that you would create, again, from just one cell of the human body, that chain would be like six feet long. And then she did the math. She said, then if you took all the genetic material of all of our cells, we have like a hundred trillion cells in our body. She said that if you took all the DNA from all the cells in, in a human body, and you unspooled those, you uncoiled those, and you pasted all those little ends together, if you put all those fragments together, she said that that rope, that chain would stretch for 110 billion miles. I don't know about y'all, but that's one of those numbers that I, I, I can't even comprehend. My finite mind can't imagine that. So she put it in terms that maybe I could imagine. She said 110 billion miles, that's almost 600 round trips to the sun. 600 trips to the sun and back. Friends, the psalmist was right. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. But, but for as large, for as impressive as all those numbers are, this is the one that got me, 99.9, 99.9%, that's what got me. The same scientist, she said that all of us, you and me, all of us, we are genetically, we are 99.9% .9 the same. It's just that, that little 1%, we got to baptize twins at, at 9.30. We, 99.9% .9 the same, it's that 0.1%. That that's what makes us different. It's that 0.1%, that's what gives us different hair color, that's what gives us different eye color. That 1.1%, that's what gives us different skin color. That's what makes us different. And it made me start to, to think about our, our spiritual DNA. It made me start to think about what makes us different, and it's Jesus. Jesus is the one who comes to make us different. It's Jesus who makes us different. It's Jesus who comes to change us. It's Jesus who comes to transform us. It's Jesus who comes to make us 100% new. And we're gonna see one of the most, we're gonna see one of the most critical elements of that, that transformation in our scripture for this morning. 
And so if you've got your Bibles with you, go ahead and pull them out. Maybe you have a, a Bible app on a cell phone or a tablet with you this morning. Go ahead and turn it on. Again, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, as we wrap this series up. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning our reading this morning with verse 13. Verse 13 going through verse 24. Friends, hear the word of the Lord. Proverbs says, happy are those who find wisdom. And this word happy in, in the Hebrew, happy, happy is kind of a, a weak translation. What it really means in, in the original language, it means blessed. Blessed are those who find wisdom. Quite literally, it means made straight. Those who find wisdom, their paths are made straight. They themselves, their lives are made straight. Blessed are those who find wisdom and those who get understanding. For her income is better than silver and her revenue better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. To, to those who hold her fast, they are called happy. Those who find her and hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his, deep, by his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. My child, do not let these escape from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and prudence, and there will be life for your soul and adornment for your neck. Then you will walk on your way securely and your foot will not stumble. If you sit down, you will not be afraid. And when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Fearlessness and rest. Those are the promises, those are the holy promises of wisdom. Fearlessness and rest. Along with everything else. Along with wealth and honor and peace and life fearlessness and rest. And King Solomon, Solomon who wrote these words, King Solomon knew that that, that promise was trustworthy and true. He knew that the promise could be trusted because he, he'd experienced it himself. I mean, do you remember, do you remember that moment in First Kings whenever God comes and, and he offers to give Solomon anything that he wanted? And do you remember what Solomon asked for? Wisdom. Solomon asked for wisdom and God commended him for his choice. And God said that because Solomon did not ask for something else, some lesser thing, because Solomon didn't ask for riches or fame or success, God said that he was just gonna throw all that stuff in anyway. That, all that, that, that Solomon would receive all that stuff just kind of as a benefit, as a side effect of wisdom. See, it's like, it's like wisdom, it's like wisdom is the key to everything else. Wisdom is the key to everything that we're looking for, everything that we're searching for. Wisdom is the key for everything that we desire because it's got this power. Wisdom has this, this miraculous, creative power. Isn't that what we just read? That wisdom was right there with God at the very moment of creation. In fact, Proverbs goes on to tell us that, that wisdom, wisdom was the very first thing 
that God created. That's how important it is. But we got to remember what wisdom is. Now, because whenever we're talking about wisdom, when, when we're talking about wisdom, we're not talking about knowledge. When we're talking about wisdom, we're, we're not talking about intelligence because I know, and I bet you know, we all know some, um, well, some pretty foolish geniuses, don't we? You just thought of someone, didn't you? <laughs> Judgmental church. Uh, we're not talking about intelligence. When we're talking about wisdom, we're not talking about some academic cerebral, we're not talking about some, some intellectual pursuit in our heads. No, when we're talking about wisdom, we're talking about that informative, transformative power of God in our hearts. We're talking about the power of God in our souls. It's God doing something new. It's God creating something new, some new appreciation, some, some new awareness some new humble understanding, it's, it's prudence. It's prudence, with, it's prudence with dirty hands and, and with a broken heart. And we find it, we, we find wisdom the exact same way we find anything else. We gotta look for it, we gotta search for it, but but thankfully, King Solomon helped us out there too, because Solomon tells us that it's the fear of the Lord. He says it's the fear of the Lord. That is the beginning. That is the beginning spot for wisdom. But anytime we talk about fear in the Bible, I think we need to remember what fear we're talking about. Because fear back then, I reckon just like fear these days, fear operated, fear worked on several different levels. Right? Um, the basis level, the basis level of fear when we're talking about, about, about fear in the Bible, it was, it was really kind of that fear that we, that, that we think about, kind of that gut level fear whenever we're paranoid, we're, we're panicked, we're paralyzed. It's that, it's that fear, and I think we've talked about this before, it's that base level fear where we obey God simply because we don't, we don't want to get zapped. It's that fear that, that if we step out of line that God's going to get us. But let me tell you, that's not the fear that leads to wisdom. That's not the fear that God desires for us. Just read the book of 1 John. What's 1 John say? That love, that perfect love casts out fear. That perfect love casts out that sort of retributive sort of fear. That's not the fear that God wants. That's not the fear that leads to wisdom. But neither, neither is that second level of fear where we obey God, not, not because we don't want to get zapped, but it, we obey God because we're, we're afraid of missing out. We know that God can't bless us if we're not living in accordance to his will. And so we obey God kind of like that. And, and you got to agree, that's still kind of self-serving, self-seeking. It's not the sort of fear that, that leads to wisdom either. It's that last one. It's that highest level, that highest understanding of fear that really means reverence, means awe, means we obey God. This means we search after God because we love him. Because we, we appreciate him, we do it out of, out of this profound sense of gratitude. That's wisdom, that's, that's wisdom. Wisdom is that thing that, that keeps us in the right relationship with God and, and it's wisdom that keeps us in the right kind of relationship with God. It's wisdom, it's wisdom that comes to us and, and enables us to find and it empowers us to follow the way of the Lord. It's wisdom, it's wisdom that comes to us and tells us that yes, there is a God, but no, we're not him. 
It's wisdom that tells us that that there is a God and that that God wants only what's best for us, but he expects only what's best from us. Wisdom tells us that God expects us to be different, that God expects us to be changed. But with him as our guide, with Jesus as our standard, Pastor John, Pastor John and I love to play golf, if charitably that's what you can call what we do out on the links. Um, honestly, we, we, we are an embarrassment to the sport, but we like to go out. Um, at least we, we know that we're bad enough so that we can't get mad. Uh, we're not good enough to get mad. Uh, but we go out there and, and uh, several years ago for Christmas, Pastor John bought me a new set of irons. Um, and these irons came with an extraordinary promise. These irons promised that they would add 10 to 15 yards to every shot. And I don't know about y'all, but I need every yard that I can get my hands on. Um, but I was, a little, I was a little skeptical. I wasn't sure about these newfangled irons, but we took them out. Anyway, we took them out to the course and man, those things delivered. Those things just zip, they soared through the air. I was getting 10, 15, 18 extra yards per, for every shot and started to do a little dance. Started to sing a little song. I was so happy. Pastor John started pouting, which is great. Um, started snorting because I was just tearing him up on the scorecard. And later that week, we got back and I was telling my buddies, I was telling my buddies all about my new improved golf game, how these brand new irons, um, how these irons had really brought out the natural golfer in me. And, uh, and that's whenever the chair of our finance committee uh, decided to rain on my parade. Um, he's in here. I'm not going to point him out. Um, uh, our finance chair looked over at me. He was like, Todd, Todd, you know the only thing they did. All they did, they just renumbered the clubs, right, man? Well, no, I did not know, right, man. Um, there I was thinking that I was hitting my eight iron so much better when in actuality, all I was really doing was just like hitting my old seven iron the exact same way. They, they just changed the standard to make us feel, I don't know, good about ourselves, better about ourselves, to make us feel more accomplished. They just change the standards. But wisdom comes to remind us, wisdom tells us deep in our DNA that our standard, our real standard, our standard never changes. Jesus never changes because change changes our job. I thank you for that and I love that because it raises a question for us. Do we know what is our standard? What are we striving for? What's, what's the goal of this business of life? And I think the Apostle Paul tells us in a beautiful way in his wonderful letter to the Corinthians. Remember what Paul wrote? He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He became for us wisdom from God, Jesus. Jesus is our standard. Jesus is the source of our wisdom. And so as we live, he is the bar that we are trying to attain and we need to chase after our standard in life. So I want us to think about how we do that. How do we grow in wisdom? How do we become more and more like Jesus? As we do that, three things. If Jesus is our standard that we need to to strive for, We need to understand that the life of faith is a life of growth. We are on a journey. We're becoming more and more like Jesus, but as a place we have not yet attained, 
We need to be growing and chasing after Jesus and particularly his wisdom to let that insight guide us in life and how we live and how we respond. And in fact, growing in the faith should be the highest objective of all of us. In fact, isn't that what verse 15 says? She is more precious, wisdom, than jewels. Nothing you desire can compare with her. If that's true, the most precious part of our lives, we need to ask the question, how are we growing in wisdom? As we think about that, I think we need to ask three questions that can guide our thinking. And the first is this, who do we spend the most time with? Experts tell us that all of us become more and more like the five people in our lives that we are closest to, that we spend time with. We rub off on each other. So we need to ask the question, who do we associate with? Who do we run with? Who is in our lives? I remember an old high school coach of mine used to say, show me your friends and I will show you your future. He's right. The question is, do we spend time with people who are wise? Are we associated with people who are the salt of the earth, moral, good people? Are we around people who are kind and gracious and generous? Because if we are, they will rub off on us. Are we around people that we wanna become like them? It's really important because we have a decision to make about who we spend time with. Who are our friends, who are our mentors? They don't just happen, we have to seek them out, we have to make time for them, we have to nurture those relationships. They need to be a priority in our lives. And we need people in our lives that we can talk deeply and honestly with who speak the truth and love to us. They can teach us things and we can respond and learn and grow without getting defensive and bowing up and shutting them off. Those kind of people are more valuable than gold. I was thinking back in early 1980s, I worked in a national accounting firm in Shreveport, Louisiana, met a, a man named Dutt LeBlanc, been a lifetime friend. Dutt is very funny. I love being around him, also very wise, very good friend through all these years. And I remember in those years also, Debbie and I taught Sunday school class. We taught the middle school Sunday school class of the Noel Methodist Church in Shreveport, Louisiana. My wife, Debbie, is a great teacher. Debbie is a great sport and a wonderful wife. And I'll never forget, from time to time, my buddies would call me up on Saturday and say, John, we got a great tea time and a great golf course. Do you want to go play with us? And I would ask Debbie, would she fill in? Would she teach the class by herself? Debbie was always gracious. She said, yes, <clears throat> she's a wonderful teacher. Always, she always agreed to do that. And so I remember it was a beautiful spring day and I was playing golf and Debbie was teaching the Sunday school class. And I remember I got to the course and I was feeling guilty. It was kind of bothering me. Was I being fair to Debbie? <clears throat> doing that and so my conscience was really on my mind and so I shared my feelings of guilt with my friend Dutt. Dutt was a devout Christian, very faithful to his faith and so I was sharing with him what I was feeling and I said, Dutt, do you think it's a sin for me to play golf on Sunday morning? And I will never forget his answer. He said, John, I've been watching you play golf for years. It's a sin for you to play golf on any day of the week. <laughs> And Brad and Ken will say, amen. <laughs> the truth of the matter is we need friends in our lives who will be able to talk to us like that and get us to laugh at ourselves and see things in a different perspective. Who do we spend our time with? Really does determine whether wisdom will grow in us. But secondly, how do we spend our time? 
The truth of the matter is, do we spend time, meaningful time studying the scripture? Do we read good books that stretch us and inspire us? Do we spend some time, whatever season of life, asking the question, who is God calling me to be? What's the life I'm supposed to live? All of these times, these questions help plant wisdom and enable it to grow in us. And do we spend time in prayer? Because the more we pray, I think the closer we get to God in the way that we see the world in a different way. Because when we pray, we need to ask God for wisdom. We need to pray God for a spirit of discernment, for insight to be open to learn the lessons of life all around us. Because the more we pray, we see the world differently. We will start to see there's signs everywhere. There are miracles everywhere. God's trying to get our attention everywhere. And we will know there's no such things as coincidences, only God incidences. So if we wanna grow in wisdom, who do we hang out with? How do we spend our time? And then the third question, do we understand the rhythms of life? I submit to you, that's part of King Solomon's wisdom. He got the rhythms of life. Remember how he began Ecclesiastes 3, that great chapter, he said, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Do we understand the seasons of life? God may be calling us to do something, but it may not be the right time. God may put a word on our heart that we need to share, but it may not be the time to speak. Do we understand the the rhythms of life, to know when to speak and when to be quiet and when to listen? In fact, I love the wisdom of former President Calvin Coolidge. Remember what Calvin Coolidge said? It's just, he was full of wisdom. He said, you never have to apologize for something you didn't say. Just circle that, write that down. That's a lesson for today. I wonder sometimes when something agitates us and it's pushed our button and we're stirred up and we're ready to just try to right that wrong. If wisdom doesn't whisper, maybe you ought to be quiet right now. Maybe you need to listen. Maybe you need to understand. Maybe somebody else needs to do the talking here. Do we trust wisdom to help us understand the rhythms of life. You see, we ask these three questions because the truth is we just don't automatically grow. We have to seek the standard of Jesus Christ. We have to strive for it. We have to chase it. It is a lifetime journey to grow, to become more and more like Jesus. Second word is grit. And that is once we try to follow Jesus, Sometimes, what's the old hymn writer say? We're prone to wander. Sometimes we drift off course. You have to stay with it in good times and in bad. In fact, I love, again, what the writer, what Solomon says to us in verse 21. My child, do not let these escape from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and prudence. Keep sound wisdom. Keep at it. Keep growing. Stay with it even when it's hard. Angela Duckworth has done some amazing work and wrote a wonderful book about grit. And she makes a powerful statement. She says, if you want to predict someone's success in life, more important than talent is grit and perseverance. It's more a predictor of success than anything else. And I love what she wrote in her book. Listen to what she said. She said, one way to think about grit is to consider what grit isn't. Grit isn't talent. Grit isn't luck. Grit isn't how intensely for the moment you want something 
Instead, grit is about having what some researchers call an ultimate concern, a goal you care about so much that it organizes and gives meaning to almost everything you do. And grit is holding steadfast to that goal. Even when you feel down, even when you mess up, even when progress towards your goal is halting or slow, talent and luck matter to success, but talent and luck are no guarantee of grit. And in the very long run, I think grit may matter at least as much, if not more. I think she's right. We need grit in our relationship with Jesus. We're gonna keep growing, we're gonna keep listening, we're gonna keep following, we're gonna keep trying to be faithful to him and we have that grit and that perseverance for a lifetime as we grow to become more and more like him. Love the story about Dr. Stuart Henry. Longtime professor at Duke University. He had retired. He was a professor emeritus. He had taught the history of American Christianity to lots and lots of students at Duke. And after he retired, it was Sunday morning, and he was walking across campus in his Sunday best suit, and the bells in the tower were ringing. The chapel service was about to start. And as he was briskly walking across the campus, a student that had had him said, oh, Dr. Henry, you, I guess you decided to go to church today. And Stuart Henry said, no, I haven't decided to go to church today. And he kept walking and the student was kind of confused. He said, well, I, I, I saw the way you're dressed and I just assumed you were going to church today. And Dr. Henry said, well, yes, I'm going to church today, but I didn't decide to go today. And by this, the student just had this puzzled look. He thought, what's going on? I have no idea. And he said, I, I guess I don't know what you're talking about. And the professor stopped. And he says, son, listen to me. Yeah, I'm going to church today, but I didn't decide to go to church today. I decided to go to church 50 years ago when I became a Christian. And when I get up on Sunday morning, I don't have to decide whether or not I'm gonna go to church. I'm going to church. My only decision is where I go to church and when I go to church. It's grit means we're gonna follow Jesus come what may in good times and bad when we feel like it and when we don't, we're gonna persevere, we're gonna have grit because it is that grit. Particularly it's practicing our faith in the hard times that give us wisdom. And then finally, if Jesus is our standard, wisdom is rooted in grace. It's amazing, we've been talking about this a lot. Remember what grace is? Love that you cannot earn or deserve. It's how we come to faith. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it. We receive it as a gift because Jesus loves us first. We love the one who first loved us. And as we receive grace, we understand that's how wisdom is formed as well. Wisdom, Todd, I love your chart. Is it about how smart we are and how many degrees we attain or how hard we work? Wisdom. It's rooted in grace. We learn it over a long period of time of ordinary living. We learn wisdom through our scars and through our struggles and through those difficult times of life when we are determined to stand and to be faithful and to keep following. Always wisdom is rooted in God's grace because we admit what we do not know or cannot comprehend. We admit that we don't have all the answers, but we trust the one who does. And when we have wisdom rooted in grace, I love what the scripture promises us, that wisdom 
will enable us to walk on our way securely and our foot will not stumble. And when we live in that wisdom, then that beautiful wisdom and grace will be life for our soul. It will be an adornment on our neck. You see, Jesus is our standard and we need to own his grace and live in his grace and let it guide us toward wisdom. I remember back in 1932, there was a a seminary professor at Union Theological Seminary named Reinhold Niebuhr. One day he, he was praying and somebody actually wrote down the prayer that he prayed and it's become a classic. One we know well, it's one of the most beloved prayers and writings of the 20th century. It has influenced scores and scores and scores of people. Remember what Professor Niebuhr prayed that day. This is what he prayed. God, give me grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed, courage to change the things which should be changed, and the wisdom to distinguish the one from the other living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. We know that as a serenity prayer. And I think that's the place where wisdom in Jesus Christ begins. And we need to know that prayer and live out of that prayer. Because who is our standard? Jesus. We wanna become more and more like him. And when we're determined to do that, to grow and to have grit and to live out of grace, literally, he will rework our spiritual DNA and life will be different. And then, then we will be able to live, verse 24. When you sit down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Isn't that a great promise of life in Jesus? May we live for his standard. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you. For all of the ways that you teach us and you mold us and you guide us. Sometimes wisdom is born in the school of life. Through the trials, through the storms, through the fiery places. But when we're determined to follow you, to keep our eyes on you, to have grit and perseverance, when we're determined, come what may, we are going to stand in you. You will see us through. You will guide us through the storms and you will enable us to stand. Lord, may we know that you're our standard and may we pursue wisdom because wisdom is the treasure of the greatest value that we can ever find. So come to us and live in us and guide us as we seek to follow you in wisdom. Lord, these things we pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. 
please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.